All right. Welcome back to Tales from the States. I'm Jordan and I'm here with my sister. Amber. Amber. And this week we're going to be talking about New Mexico and Alabama. Yep. And um, I'm going to start with New Mexico. And um, I couldn't find as many fun facts as I would like to on this one. Um, well, on New Mexico, but I know that there's a ton of fun facts there. They became a state January 6th in 1912. They're the 47th state. Um, so they were followed by Alaska and Hawaii. So they were like real late coming to the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh my um, gosh. When you think about New Mexico, like I don't really think about it being wine country. I think of it as desert, but they have a lot of wine wineries oh. and, and such there. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Doc Holliday worked as a dentist in Las Vegas, New Mexico, where he then shot a guy. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> as I wouldn't want him as my dentist. <laughs> I don't think I would either. I'm not sure no. I'd go there. No. Um, and then the next fun thing is that uh, Smokey the Bear is from New Mexico. And no. so when I say that, what had happened, and I just think this is an interesting fun side story, is um, the Capitan Mountains of New Mexico, there was a big wildfire. And this was in um, 1950s, I think. I thought I wrote down the date, but a bit, I guess I didn't. Anyway, so the Capitan Mountains, there was a big wildfire and the firefighters had kind of gotten bogged down in an area. And so there was a group of firefighters who were basically on an outcropping of rocks. And what they did is they laid down and let the fire burn past them, which I think would be scary as all get out. Yeah. Um, so they laid down. Well, prior to them laying down, they had seen a cub nearby and they were just kind of like, well, hopefully this little cub gets going, but the cub climbed up a tree. And so he was oh. at the top of the tree when the fire went by. He survived though, this little cub did with burned paws. And so the firefighters, once the fire passed, they retrieved the cub from the top of the, um, the tree. And there was actually a farmer that was a volunteer firefighter who agreed to take the cub and he started nursing it back to health. As it got better, they sent this cub up to the um, Washington Zoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say the vet. <laughs> Where he was treated by a vet as well. But yes, so they sent him to the Washington Zoo in DC. So um, okay. he then what happened is they all started kind of working with the forest service to use this as a, we need to prevent wildfires thing. So that's how Smokey the bear came about is that, and it's not Smokey the bear, it's Smokey bear, um, which is apparently a big, like hot topic debate among Smokey fans, yeah. <laughs> mom. And, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Smoky Bear. Um, um, uh, yeah. It's so it's Smoky Bear. 
and they basically turned this cub into kind of an animated um, mascot. And so Smokey Bear lived his life out at the DC Zoo, where he then passed away um, in 1976. And when he, he did pass away, they buried him at the Smokey Bear Historical Park in Capitan, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, where he was found. And I just think that that's a really cool story on how Smokey Bear came about. And only you can prevent forest fires. (laughs) And especially with all the wildfires that go on. I know that, Everywhere, yeah. I mean, they're just, yeah. Um, And wildfires, I mean, it is no joke. Like the tiniest thing can set them off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I thought that was a cool origin story of Smokey Bear. Um, and it's it's kind of a fun read if anybody wants to look it up. It's just smokeybear.com and they have the origin story on there. And it's just a fun story. I, I mean, it's not really fun. It's sad. It's an orphan bear, but <laughs> you know, it's just in, interesting. Is it is. <laughs> it's a very historical thing, so. Yeah. Okay, so. My first story is going to be about the Eureka Mesa in New Mexico. And um, so the Eureka Mesa is actually part of a larger property, which is the, uh, that belongs to the Boy Scouts of America. So they have a campground there um, that I believe is open to the public, but it's owned by the Boy Scouts of America um, as part of a bigger conglomerate or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the Mesa is about two miles long and about a half a mile wide. And it's, it's got a lot of basalt in it. So volcanic construct. Um, it's the, it's named the Eureka Mesa because Eureka means magpie. And apparently there's a ton of magpies that live in that area. Um, which magpies are really smart birds. Like a lot of people are made by them, but they're smart cookies, you know? Yeah. Um, the plateau is part, um, it's so inside of the plateau, it's got a lot of iron and magnetite and, um, it's struck by lightning more than any other place in New Mexico because of this. So it's, it's like an, uh, a conduit. I guess would be the word. Yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Um, So uh, the iron and magnetite also can be blamed for some of the odd things that occur there, such as compasses not working correctly. Um, Sometimes there is a bluish glow that you can see on the top of the plateau or around the rim of the plateau. Um, And sometimes when people take scenery photographs or any kind of photograph the image is distorted and so the magnetism in this from those rocks is what's kind of I would love that that would be so fun I would try to get that (laughs) that's what I was kind of thinking I was like all right I mean that sounds that sounds great but then wait there's more it gets then it gets not as fun (laughs) so um In 1968, a geologist studied the Mesa and concluded that there is no simple explanation for the geochemical abnormalities. 
So in this area, there is a rich history of um, Native Americans, such as the Anasazi, Navajos, Apaches. Um, there's also the Mexican settlers, mountain men, and the Boy Scouts of America who have witnessed things that are abnormal while they're in that area. Um, so with that, when you look at a topographical, so you look down on the mesa, on the westernmost end of the mesa, it resembles the outline of a human skull. So like in profile. And oh. um, it is rumored that the eye of the skull that you see is a portal to hell or the fifth dimension, the underworld, whatever you want to call it. So <laughs> yeah, see, I tell you, it goes from fun little quirks in the uh, <laughs> Wow, cool. Cool yeah. little uh, lens you got there, and all of a sudden it's like, it's a portal to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it escalates very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So um, there are petroglyphs in the area that a Navajo, that some Navajo uh, medicine men have studied. And so what they report is that hundreds of years ago, the Anasazi Indians, and this would be shortly before they disappeared, um, had fought a giant battle on the Mesa against the, the evil of the underworld. Um, and so they barely managed to push the evil back into that eye portal. <laughs> um, and oh yeah, so, and what they did is they left a guardian, which was one of their medicine man at the portal um, to keep the evil spirits from getting through. However, sometimes they still come through. So, um, with that, here's a few accounts of the things that happen on this mesa. Um, there's visitors that have claimed to see a three foot tall pitch black humanoid that darts from tree to tree following behind them as they're hiking. The figure will often reappear late at night while they're in their tents. So it like stalks them to where they're camping. Oh. Yeah, um, other hikers have seen historic people. So um, more people have seen animals that appear to be altered in form. So they just don't look right. <clears throat> and one of the theories with the altered forms is that it's like, say a bunny rabbit that got pulled through that portal and then came back out changed. Side I note. pictured a three-eyed squirrel immediately. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A side note, what that reminded me of as I was reading this is I don't know if you have seen A Color Out of Space. He didn't answer me. It's got no. Nick Cage at his, one of his most like actually well-performed crazy. Oh, but really? There's things that happen in there where it's like, I don't do good with like body. Um... Yes, thank you. Body horror. I do not do well with that. And that movie yeah. really disturbed me with the body horror that occurred in that. But it reminded me of that movie. So if you've seen it, and it's a good scary movie, but watch it once. Like only, I will only not. Only once. It. <laughs> it not repeatedly. All right. So um, there is a rumor of a ghostly herd of horses that can be heard, but nobody can find them. 
Um, in the 1940s, a Boy Scout had gone missing in the area, and people currently will find him. Um, they'll find him sitting around a campfire, and he'll be crying and, and inconsolable. And so people will see him and be like, oh, can I help you? Um, let's get you somewhere where you can go. And he'll just look at them and say, I can't, and then disappear. That's so sad. Isn't it, though? Um and there have been a whole lot of sightings of like blue lights and orbs in the area. Um, and sometimes there'll be disembodied chanting associated with it. And um, there's even an astronomer who had gone up on the Mesa and he wound up going crazy. Be like they have the journal <laughs> written out because he keeps seeing these lights and hearing these voices and um, just it drove him mad. <laughs> so, uh, and he, and he actually wound up, uh, he wound up disappearing in the area. And so, really? yeah, one of his coworkers went looking for him cause he didn't check in when he was supposed to. And all they found was his journal and his empty camp. That's fascinating. Yeah. So that is, uh, the information I have on the Eureka Mesa, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I kind of want to go there. I had the same thought. I was like, oh, I've got to go camping there. <laughs> I, I would love to. I feel like that's a once in a lifetime, like, yeah, we aren't going to be able to soon. We should go. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things where it's just like a haunted hotel. People hear about a haunted mm -hmm. hotel and then they want to make an, a reservation there. That's how I felt about it. I was like, oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so, uh, Okay, so uh, my second story is called The Death Waltz. Um, so in Fort Union, New Mexico, there was a military, military post uh, that was kind of the only spot for many, many miles where there was any kind of a social life. Like people could get together, talk, all that fun stuff. Um, there were also many ladies who lived at Fort Union. And so... Um, that's another reason why it was kind of a social spot is that it wasn't just a boys, boys, boys club. There we go. Um, of these women, it also included the sister of a captain. Um, and she caught the eye of a young Lieutenant and he, um, he devoted himself to her and he started courting her and one day the lieutenant was put in command of an expedition that was headed out to fight some Apaches. Before he left, he confessed his love to her. And she was like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> um, so she was like, yeah, you know, you're great. Um, and she said that, hey, thanks for saying you love me. If you die in battle, I'll, uh, never marry another man because oh yeah you're so, the one. yeah because you're the one uh and as he left he was overheard to say that is well because nobody else shall have you i will come back and make my claim so what do you think happened next he got killed he got killed um a few days later the lieutenant's men all returned but he was not with them and so the woman, of course, grieved for a little bit. Days. Yeah, a few <laughs> days. But no one was really surprised when she then announced that she would be marrying a young man from the East. 
so she, yeah. So she's like, okay, he died. Um, I'm sad. I'm going to go ahead and marry this other guy. So the wedding day came and the mess hall at the fort was decorated up for the festivities. And as everyone was attending, who was attending started to dance, the door flew open and a gust of air dimmed all of the candles as a strange cry carried throughout the building. Dun, dun. Oh my God. <laughs> In the doorway stood the swollen corpse of the oh. lieutenant. He had oh. been killed. Yeah, he had been killed by a hatchet blow to the head and then scalped. So, oh. Why am I laughing is what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the bloated corpse part and I just start laughing. There's something wrong with me. Okay. So, <laughs> he walked over to the bride and taking her from her husband's arm, he began to waltz with her. The musicians started playing a demonic song, which they later claimed they had no control over themselves when they started doing it. Um, as the two danced about the room, the bride became paler and weaker until her eyes showed no more signs of life. And the dead man dropped her body to the floor and let out another awful cry before he vanished through the doorway. A few days later, the remains of the lieutenant were returned to the fort by a troop of soldiers. So, yeah, he said, uh, you, he said, he told her. I mean, yeah. At that she point, promised. She promised. And, and okay. that's the wrong type of love, baby. <laughs> yeah. Because real love knows that you should love the person enough to let them move on if you're dead. <laughs> uh, she, promises were made. I, you know. <laughs> if you make a promise, you have to keep it. Um, no. <laughs> guarantees were given um no i think there's exceptions <laughs> yeah i thought that was really intense so he shows up that was really the life out of her and he moves like he returns back to the field so that they can find his body <laughs> oh my gosh that that was a that's a good one it's very spooky it's very spooky i like i like it i like you know and um yeah. I don't really feel like it was a ghost because they said it was his body. So yeah. Oh, he, that's right. He was reanimated. Got it. Re so it's not a ghost. Okay. And then the final um, story, I'm not probably going to do this much justice um, just because it's, it's oddly difficult, but yet almost easy to find information on this because everybody kind of knows the general lore of it which is going to be skinwalkers. Um, so many of the Southwest tribes, like the Navajo, the Hopi, the Utes, um, they have their own versions of skinwalkers, but basically the overall gist of a skinwalker is the same. Um, a skinwalker is a witch that is capable of transforming completely into an animal. So the witch, when they transform into this animal, they then have all of like the speed, the strength, the intelligence of that animal. Um, and for these tribes, they're not just 
legends. You know, they're not, they're real. This is what they are. According to David Zimmerman, who's an anthropologist of the Navajo Nation Historic Preservation Department, uh, skinwalkers are folk, um, I'm sorry, skinwalkers are folk that possesses knowledge of medicine, both practical, like healing the sick, and spiritual, like maintaining harmony. Like they didn't even want people to know about it. They don't. So they, they do. They consider it very, um, very real. And in general, discussing them can draw the attention of them. So that's a big reason why they don't want to discuss skinwalkers. But um, there was a quote that I thought was really interesting too, where somebody says, you know, all of them will deny it until you become friends with people. And then they will tell you about their experience with a skinwalker or anything along those lines. Um, unlike the Anglo tales, like a werewolf um, skinwalkers, they don't lose their human Con control. So they're still very like aware of everything. Um, they do kill, but it's usually like a motivated thing. It's not just going to be like a werewolf who's like, I smell blood. Ar, ar, ar. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's usually <laughs> like a vendetta or there's a reason behind it. Okay. Um, and other than their origin stories typically they rarely include death so it's not often that the stories that people share truly involve oh a skinwalker came and murdered my neighbor it's usually something along the lines of i was driving down the road and they were running alongside the car or i was in my house cooking dinner and i saw one out the window um those kinds of things are what they see which is which is good news. However, they are still considered more of a malevolent creature, like a malevolent force. Yeah, maybe well, um, warning. Also, do they bring warnings or anything like that? You know, I didn't see anything about it being like an omen. Um, okay. Yeah, about skinwalkers being an omen, just because they're they're truly just a practitioner of witchcraft that has an animal form that they can transfer into oh, okay. and they use that to their advantage. So like, um, for example, the times that they are motivated to kill, they may use that form to kill or they may use that form to like deliver the means of death. Um, but it's oh. not, yeah, but it's not, um, not like a messenger or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That I, I got you. And like I said, I feel like I honestly am probably not doing the Skinwalker stories justice, but you know, as you mentioned, they just, people don't talk about them that often in that way. They give the basic lore. And then, like I said, they don't want to draw that attention on themselves. So it right. is. So zip it. In other words, unless you want that attention. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I got it. But I still find it so super interesting because it still has that power and that weight behind it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And one of the, um, one of the quotes in the article was, you know, regardless of the legend, whether it's true or not, it still does com command our respect. And I agree with that because if it Absolutely. holds that much weight with the people who tell it, you know, I would, I would pay attention to that. There was, other stories I could have told, but I feel like they don't have as much weight, you know, or 
or as much substance. It's kind of one of those, like, it's, um, I don't know. It's weird because the skinwalkers, I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm giving it enough justice and enough information, but then there's some things that it's just kind of like a one-off, one-off story about it. That's just not that filling. All right. So that wraps up my, uh, New Mexico folklore. Going by fast. Alabama. I'm going to start with my facts as usual. Uh, okay. So I'd never heard of this type of tree, but there's a tree called the Southern Longleaf Pine, and that's their state tree. So if you fancy, take, take a look, look that up, see what it looks like, unless you live there, in which case you probably know what it looks like. <laughs> Don't look it up. <laughs> just, <laughs> just look up. right um the flower is the camellia which i think is a pretty name i like that name and let's see oh it became the 22nd state uh to join the united states in december on december 14th of 1819 so that's pretty early right so with that, um, in the Navajo culture, witchcraft is a very real um, influence on their daily behavior that leads them to do whatever they can to basically avoid witchcraft um, and, and prevent that attention from being brought on them. So, um, my first story is about um, a disappearing farmer. And this happened in July of 1854. Orion Williamson was walking amongst his crops on his farmland in Selma, Alabama. And a few of his family members were sitting on the porch, enjoying the day and kind of watching him, you know, piddle around in his crops, doing his stuff. And as Orion went about his farm work some of his neighbors happened by and as one does when seeing your neighbors or seeing a familiar face they waved Orion um, glanced up from his work and waved back and vanished just disappeared he vanished into thin air wow yeah um everyone saw it and everyone was shocked they couldn't believe what they had just seen they immediately ran over to see, like they called to him at first thinking maybe it was like a prank or something. Was there a uh, smoke, like the magicians who throw down powder and then the smoke? A giant mirror, maybe? <laughs> you know how they do it with mirrors? Like they switch yeah. the mirror so that you disappear? No. A trap door, a trap door in the ground. A trap door in the middle of the crop in Alabama, yes. That sounds very plausible. <laughs> so they ran to find him and there was not a trace of him to be found. Um, as panic grew, obviously, so did the search party though. Um, more than 300 men searched for him through the night and um, they still had no luck. People from the surrounding area searched for him and not a trace was to be found. What's strange and actually kind of sad to me is Orion's wife and son said that they could hear him calling from the crops. Oh no. Calling for help um, for weeks. 
this is kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, but that his voice grew softer and softer until finally they couldn't hear him at all. This could also be shock, I think, from disappearance. I've gone through like some weird stuff and I did like have auditory and visual hallucinations, <laughs> not for weeks and weeks, but I do think if something happens, you can like think you hear something or see movement and stuff like that. Right. Um, so yeah, he, he, he was never found. Yeah. Um, and there's newspaper reports on this. So this is folklore that there were, there was actual newspaper reports on it, but we just don't know what happened. Yeah. So it's like his, in other stories, his name was different. So I feel like it's a true story, but I don't know like for yeah. sure because I read some more about it and one person um, who was there um, a journalist, he ended up disappearing 50 years later. He also disappeared just randomly. Oh, it wasn't in the same cornfield? It was a journalist. Yeah, it was the journalist who reported on Orion's story. Um, 50 years later, he ended up disappearing also. So whether this is just a very um, elaborate thing, I don't know. But to vanish from your home yeah yeah without a trace and in front of people like literally in front, of people. in front of people yes so this is just very mysterious to me this seems i don't know it's it's kind of on the edge of not being a folklore it just sounds like an unsolved mystery almost but well some yeah people, i mean that that is kind of what that is a little bit yeah you know yeah so this one's a quite a bit lighter. <laughs> uh, there's a uh, Alabama's version of Bigfoot and it's a little bit scarier than Bigfoot I think just from the way they describe it. Um, it's called White Fang, not White Fang. <laughs> White Fang. Fang. <laughs> Fang is oh. how they call it. You got to get that accent down. They don't want you to call it white thing. I oh. want to be clear on that. It's white thing. Okay. So, um, as the name says, the beast is white. It's eight foot tall, but it's very quick. It's very speedy. They want to make sure you know that it's hairy and has fiery red eyes. The creature has been seen since the 1940s and, um, has a high-pitched screech that can also sound like a scream. They oh. described it as like a woman's scream. Oh. <laughs> yeah, kind of yucky. <laughs> Isn't that like a banshee? Don't banshees scream? Uh, banshees scream, so do panthers or mountain lions, depending on where you're from. <laughs> yeah, I, but mountain I, lions are real. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it just feels weird to say white thing, but that's what it's called, is mostly spotted in what's described as the Triangle of Morgan, Etowah, Etowah, and Jefferson Counties. If you're from Alabama, you're probably going to tell me that I said Etowah incorrectly, but it's spelled E-T-O-W-A-H. Um, 
there were a lot of Native American tribes that were in Alabama, um, still are some, and I'm sure that's where that name came from. So I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly, but um, now because of its white fur hair, some people have said that maybe white thing is an albino Bigfoot. Other descriptions, and these ones are the ones that are kind of gross and creepy, say that it has no eyes or ears and that they think it could be an alien oh. because of yeah and that it might actually be like doing investigations on oh <laughs> yeah so either way there's something in the woods in alabama um be careful He's probed by the banshee, <laughs> by the big yeah. banshee, the white hairy banshee white that either hairy. has eyes that are red or doesn't have eyes. Uh, it's yucky. <laughs> That's how I feel yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Sorry about that. Let's go on to the wolf woman. Let's go to her. In April, on April 8th of 1971, the paper called the Press Register became inundated with calls of a bizarre nature. Um, witnesses were calling saying that a creature described as pretty and hairy had the top half of, the top half that was a beautiful woman and the bottom half that was a wolf. So there was, like I said, there was over 50 calls that went into the paper. <laughs> and rumors had circulated that perhaps she had escaped from the circus. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, I mean, she was running around town. Now, uh, you heard me say that the date was April 8th. So I thought, as did the reporter that maybe it was just an April Fool's joke, but the <laughs> it was me. I hadn't shaved that week. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, and usually it's like three legs. I know. I mean, every everybody goes through those times people when they are just so don't... harsh. Body positivity you know, here, people. I know they're so judgy. Gosh, but. Yeah, so the reporter said that he felt like the people sounded scared of this beautiful, wolfy woman. Is it because she was pretty? Yeah. <laughs> she was I don't pretty. Know. Well, maybe she, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that happened. And the reporters, I mean, the reports died down, but apparently she can still be seen every once in a while just oh, around I, I think that knocks out april fool's joke if she's still yeah. around yeah that's what i think too and then i kind of have a bonus um story just because alabama has good good folk tales but mine were they were kind of short yeah so jordan if you don't mind I have one more Oh, I always have runner-ups. You're good. <laughs> I always start. No, you always, you always do that to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that to you. 
Because I always, okay, cool. I always have extras for some reason. I know you're cool like that. Okay, so Hug and Molly, and I'm sure everybody in Alabama has heard this story because apparently she is like the boogeyman, but much worse because she's used to keep kids in bed or to get them to go to bed as a threat. Um, <laughs> some say that Hugging Molly is the phantom of a mother who lost her child and that's why she roams the streets looking for children to hug. But either way, legend claims that Hugging Molly will appear to children, only children, at night and what she will do is she will approach them. This is a little bit of a spooky one. She'll approach them, then grab them tightly, squeeze them, and scream in their ears. What is she screaming? <laughs> she just screams. Oh. So in Alabama, it's kind of a tradition that to, to get your kids to bed. Yes. I'm dead serious. So yeah, no boogeyman in Alabama, but they have Hugging Molly. And she's been around for a really long time. I don't like that. I don't either. I don't like the thought of somebody screaming in my ears. That sounds I don't terrible. Like the awful. thought of somebody hugging on me. <laughs> I know. I don't mind a hug. I'll take I'll take a hug with consent. Right. Um, but <laughs> with consent, Molly. Yeah, Molly. Gosh. I don't know. I'm uh, not a huge fan of like, if you want your kids to go to bed, maybe don't scare the crap out of them about going to bed. Like you better yeah. go to bed or else in the middle of the night, hugging Molly is going to come and hug you. And I would be sitting there going, I think she's going to come and hug me anyway. If she comes in the yeah. middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, I read every thing that I was like searching for um, folk tales for Alabama, all of them mentioned Huggin' Molly. Yeah. So she's a pretty um, popular, popular character in the folklore. And I, I felt like, you know, I really should mention her because she seems important. Do I think that all parents use her? Obviously not. And it's probably kind of gone out of style to use her. She's probably yeah. more of just a scary story these days. Um, but yeah. Hmm. And also in Birmingham, if you go downtown to Five Points, there's a little like pond you can visit. And there's a statue that has a goat head and the body of a man and he's holding a staff and there's five little frogs sitting around him and he's wearing a crown also. And they like spout water. Apparently there's a rumor that like, that's like for Satan worshipers to go to in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually created for children by this children's illustrator who, or um, artist who's a native of Alabama. And he created it. It was his, it's nothing to do with Satan. <laughs> it's right yeah, across the street. He's willing to admit I know, but if you look low, you got to get to the kids. I know, I know. I, I looked it up online, and Jordan, you can cut this part out. <laughs> I looked it up online. It does kind of look Satan-y. <laughs> Birmingham. Described it a little Satan-y. It, it looks it. Birmingham. 
<laughs> it's the frogs that really do it in. <laughs> it the frogs. No, it's been kind of a cult favorite to say that it's for Satanists, but everybody knows it's not. <laughs> right. That's all my little Alabama tales that I have. Yeah. Well, that was a good bonus. Hugging yeah. Me. Boneless wings. That was a good boneless episode. <laughs> <laughs> so next week I'll be doing Rhode Island. No, what am I doing again? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. I'll be doing New Hampshire next week. I always want to say New Hampshire. I know I do too. But I'm excited. I can't wait to read what New Hampshire has. I think that it'll be good. I don't know much about Rhode Island, so. I know nothing about New Hampshire. I don't know anything about New Hampshire either. I feel like it's one of those states you just don't hear anything. Nothing happens there. All (laughs) right. Well, thank y'all for listening. Y'all, thank you all for listening. And have a good day. We appreciate it. And um or a good morning or whatever time you're listening just have a good night <laughs> yeah thank you so much for for taking the time and listening to us <laughs>